Well, what I want to say this morning is um, thank, thank, thank you to all, to all of you out there because of your giving, all that you sacrifice here on Sunday for us, for the Lord. That's why we're able to do that ministry on Wednesday nights. Um, so I want you to know that you are all making that possible. We ask that you continue to pray that God would give us the wisdom to be able to speak truth in a way that is believable for these kids. Um, I have a message this morning that I don't, you know, I just, it's such a good passage. I hope I'm actually going to do something good with it this morning. And I'm just reevaluating it right now in my head a little bit, so I'm not going to lie to you because I think it's an important piece of scripture that we're going to go through. And I'm titling this message, No Compromise. And so it's Lent, right? I don't know if anybody's doing anything with me, and hopefully you are. Hopefully you're fasting or you're abstaining from something. But this is a time of year that I actually find myself dreading because I know that I'm going to do without food. And here's the thing. It's because I stand up here and invite you all to take part in Lent that I feel obligated to actually do it. (laughs) Because every year the struggle becomes, are you really going to do this again? Are you really going to do without food why don't you, now I'm eating one meal a day, okay? Don't, don't sit there and think, was he fasting all day long? Um, I'm eating one meal a day. But every year I think of how I don't want to quit eating. And in fact, uh, last night my wife had a bag of candy that we, brought, we bought, and um, she was putting it up. And um, I was sitting there thinking, well, you know, if she opens that up, it's almost like my dog, right? I heard the rapper. And... Um, I thought, if she, if she gets a little piece out of there, I might just go ahead and do it too. Because really, I mean, is it a big deal if I have a piece of candy? So I said, what are you doing? She said, putting the candy up. I said, did you get one? She said, no. <laughs> so I was like, oh my goodness, I guess I won't get one either. But it's a challenge, isn't it? Um, obviously today we eat, we don't abstain on Sundays. But it's a challenge to be able to Make your body submit to spiritual discipline. Isn't that something? You know, I was reading somewhere this week that the Ukraine is one of the largest missionary sending countries in Europe. Did you all know that? If that's true, can you imagine what must be going through their mind right now? When they are trying to escape, they are trying to get to another country where they can be safe, they're leaving their homes, they're losing everything, and it's just because they woke up one morning and the world decided to change. Quite a thing to think about. And so if you're a Christian in the Ukraine, my thinking would be, If I'm a son of God, or if I'm a child of God, then why in the world is God allowing this to happen? Because, you know, here in America, just to put the contrast together for you this morning, it hasn't been that many years ago that we saw in the newspaper about this well-known minister who bought his wife a $200,000 car for their eighth wedding anniversary. 
I wish I'd have got saved into that denomination, right? Um, and it was quite a shock to people because if you read Scripture, what you find is that that's not what Christianity is all about. So I was reading the comments in the, on the internet about those who were defending the preacher buying this car, and they were talking about excellence, and they were talking about what God wants for us. He wants good for us. And I'm contrasting that right now with what the Ukrainian Christians must be thinking. And so I'm thinking to myself, does that message really hold water to say that to people? Um, because for us to say to people, when you come to Jesus Christ, it just all just turns good, right? We, if you have served Jesus for any amount of time, you know that's not true. It's just simply not true. And so what I find is that it's very tempting to compromise what I believe about Jesus sometimes. And I, I, I tend to find that I'm able to compromise what I believe about Jesus, especially from the position of knowing that because I've received him as my Lord and Savior, that I am now in the family of God, and somehow the fact that I'm in the family of God, it affords me certain mulligans, if you're familiar with golf, right? There are certain things that I know I'm not supposed to, like if I hit the ball off the fairway, maybe I'll take a mulligan and throw it back out there where it needs to be. That's no big deal, no harm, no foul. It's just a game, right? Um, but I think that this is what we do Sometimes we compromise the game of golf, right? We, we just want to, we don't want to take the, 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 the stroke penalty. We want to throw it back out there and just say, that was just a bad shot. Let's just get right back into it and do what we have to do. And, and then at the end, I'll still be proud that I shot maybe this or shot that. And I'm going to tell you, I'm horrible at golf. I, I lose my sanctification when I play golf. Um, I'll throw, I start throwing clubs and everything. So you know I'm, I am a human being. Um, I have a hard time with that. So what, that's what we do, though, isn't it? And so what we do is, even in life, when we know what Jesus wants from us in life, and, and I want to make sure we're all clear with this, because I say this very often to people, that it's when we start talking about, I heard Timothy say something about spiritual gifts, um, and it reminds me of spiritual fruits, fruits of the Spirit, all of these things. And what I say to people is, those gifts and the fruits that you receive from the Holy Spirit, they're not really for you. Are you all with me when I say that? They're not really for you. So the, the gifts, they're to build the church up. That's why you have those gifts. God gives those to you, you build the church up. The fruits, though, right? The fruits, I mean, the gifts are cool, but the fruits tend to be where it's really at, doesn't it? Because it's in the fruit section of the Spirit that we, when we find ourselves in difficult situations, um, we realize that those fruits are to be employed into those situations because what, what's happening is we've got to, we, we, we're tending to think that maybe we're using those gifts to kind of measure our spiritual progress when in fact when something difficult happens to you in that moment, that might be the time that you need to birth the fruit of patience and self-control, right? I mean, it might be in that moment. You may not really be 
displaying it. You might be looking for ways to display it, but it's in that moment when somebody does something wrong to you or something terrible happens to you or, or whatever it may be, you have to birth that fruit into that moment. That's really the way it is, it seems to me. And so the reason I'm telling you this is that for that fruit to actually happen, you can't compromise what you know to be true about Jesus Christ. You just can't do it. it, it it's, it's, it's the mulligan concept again, isn't it? I mean, if you beat me at get the game of golf because you took so many mulligans, I, I just don't accept that, and I probably am not going to play. And if I do play with you again, I'm going to cheat more than you do, right? I mean, it's just the way we are. So in our passage this morning, the reason I'm telling you this In our passage is a story about Jesus, obviously, being tempted in the wilderness. And the reason why this is so important is because what I think is being dealt with as a demonstration for us, because Jesus is fully God and fully human at the same time, he has to be getting tempted, doesn't he? And so for us, we're watching this, But we are put together, we are born into this world with this will to sin. Like, we call it original sin. We're born into this world with this this desire to do what is contrary to what God says. And so, even though we become children of God through believing in Jesus Christ, sometimes people don't really take care of that sin, And so what we do is we compromise. You know, I I hear you wouldn't believe it when if you I hope if you I hope you're not trapped in your homes, even though we're we've been in a pandemic, all this stuff. I hope you're not trapped in your homes because if you're out among the people, which is where the church is going to go, right? Because we're on a mission from God, like the blues brother said, right? We're on a mission from God. So I hope you're not trapped in your homes, but what you will find is when you mix in with other Christians that they seem to be able to compromise rather easily. And I find people who will tell me that they, I'm just gonna give you the real examples and I hope that I don't offend anybody, but they may cheat on their spouse, but they will say God found them the right person even though they're with their other spouse, right? This happens. This, this honestly happens. Um, because what's happening is they're letting their physical desires or this, this will to sin to dominate them. Or maybe you might find Christians who are claiming to be children of God, they might be lying about someone, telling lies about them, and it could be that because they want to try to get a promotion at their job, they don't mind throwing someone under the bus because they want to move up quicker, right? So they are tempted to tell, and we kind of compromise in those moments. What's happening is the devil's using that moment to tempt us to sin against God and our neighbors. I'm finding that there are a lot of Christians who just simply compromise to the point 
that if you were looking for the fruit of the Spirit, it's very difficult to find it. And I'm just, I'm going to move on, but I'm going to say this to you this morning. This world is changing. I'm seeing things I never thought I would see in my lifetime. And if the world is changing because we're being handed over, let me tell you something, this is not the time to compromise. It's just not. So this passage in Luke chapter 4, for instance, we're going to read 1 through 13. This passage is spoken or actually written during the time of the first century when the Jews were actually claiming to be God's children, right? But there was nothing in them that seemed to demonstrate that they are actually God's children. They were saying they were God's children, and in fact, they would ignore the poor, um, they would oppress people, and they were only trying to please themselves. And this is what this is written into. And so what you can understand if you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that Israel was supposed to be God's servant to the world. Israel was supposed to be what Jesus talks about. They were supposed to be the, pre, the, the, the holy priesthood. They were supposed to be the light on the, the hilltop, right? They were supposed to be the light of the world where these people were demonstrating God's goodness to each other. The world should have been interested to join along and to take part in that life, but they did not do it. They failed. So you know what God's going to do, right? He's going to send his son and fix this, isn't he? And so we know that Jesus is someone who hasn't failed. And so I want you to understand it from this perspective this morning. So I'm going to read this, verses 1 to 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. First thing I want you to see this morning, you must not compromise your relationship with God because physical needs are less important than faithfulness. 
So what I was telling you when I was coming along into this, from this introduction is that this Bible, this book, in the, look, the book of Luke, describes for us that Jesus Christ is offering the kingdom of God and what he's saying to humanity because he loves everybody is that you are invited to take part in the new exodus. And so when you hear this type of language, if you are someone familiar with the Old Testament, you know exactly what that means. You know that the Jews, while they were taken uh, in, into bondage into Egypt and they were, um, could not escape Pharaoh in Egypt, you know that God led them out of Egypt. He delivered them from Egypt. And what happened was interesting. While he's leading them out of Egypt, he takes them into the desert. They are following a pillar of fire and a cloud who, is this, who are symbolic of who God is. They are following God himself out into the desert. Now, they go through the Red Sea because this is where God gives the final deliverance from Egypt. He delivers them by destroying Pharaoh and his army. And so when they get out into the desert, what they start to do now is they start to grumble against Moses. They're really mad at God though, right? Because it's not really Moses, he can't do anything. So they start to grumble against Moses because guess what? They're hungry. They are hungry. And in fact, God starts to feed them manna. He gives them uh, bread from heaven. And, and, and they don't want this. They want meat. And they, they start to grumble amongst themselves, and they start to say things like, you know what? Life was better for us while we were in Egypt because, after all, our physical needs were being met in Egypt. And so our physical needs... We had all of this meat that we were able to eat in Egypt. You all know that was a lie, right? I mean, if you're a slave, you don't, you're not going to Golden Corral and eating at the buffet, right? You're not going to get all that you want. But they had themselves convinced that their physical needs were not being met and God was hanging them out to dry. So the story goes on, and while they're out in the wilderness, they continue to sin against God. God punishes them tries to correct them. He's trying to teach them to be his children out in the desert. So what they do, eventually, they no longer have faith in God because they can only think of themselves in the physical sense. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you all that this is an example to the church. And this is what Paul says. The Old Testament is an example to you to learn from. I'm going to tell you that they didn't make it to the promised land. They never could get past satisfying their stomachs. You see this in the Gospels with Jesus. Because Jesus is feeding thousands upon thousands in the desert. Jesus starts feeding them. And then one day, if you go to John chapter 6, Jesus, for some reason, everybody's doing well. They're following him all around. He keeps feeding them, and satisfying their stomachs. And so what Jesus says is this. He goes, if you want part of me, you must eat my body and drink my blood. He says it three times. They take off and desert Jesus. Because what we learn is that this is still a problem with human nature today. Human, we still only want to satisfy our physical needs. And what we do is we elevate our physical needs above the importance of maybe being faithful to God. 
Because after all, we're children of God, right? We, that you hear people say this, since we are children of God, we can actually do what we want. And I will tell you that what we find with many Christians today, if you listen close, many of them will say, I've been praying, and this is the top prayer request I get sometimes, pray for me to understand God's leading, pray for me to know where God is leading me. And so what people will say, I'm trying to follow the Lord preacher, and I'll say, well, what are you doing? He goes, and somebody will say, well, I'm trying to follow my heart. Sounds very stomachy, doesn't it? Are you, are you all tracking with what I'm saying? Because th- this is a real problem. Because if you, you start to follow your heart, you're responding to your physical desires, right? And so you start to respond to your physical desires, guess what you're doing? You're starting to compromise your faith. I don't know if people say this anymore. If you're following your heart, you're certainly not following the Word of God. You're not following the Lord. You're you're listening to what's inside of you, which very much might be sinful. Y'all need to know this morning that if you are following your physical urges, you're compromising. I'm going to say this is why you see so much adultery within the church. This is why you see so much hatred within the church. People are not birthing the fruit of the Spirit that comes from God above. What they're doing is they're following their hearts and they're responding to their physical urges. And I'm just warning you this morning, because this is the season of Lent, right? We're taking stock of where we are spiritually, that if this is the case, this means that what we're doing is exactly what the Israelites did when they left Egypt. The problem with the Israelites was that even though they left Egypt, Egypt was still in them. If you're responding to your physical desires that are contrary to the Lord, you are compromising your faith. I'm just sitting here thinking, we're going to have nobody here next week. Let's look at the next thing. You must not compromise your relationship with God because nothing in this life is worth forfeiting forfeiting (laughs) eternal life. I think it's that Indiana slang, I don't know. Sorry. But there's nothing in this life worth forfeiting your life for, your life in eternity. I didn't really touch it. I mean, you picked it up with um, what Satan said to Jesus about the physical needs. I'm sure you caught that. But notice in this, when he starts talking to Jesus, he says, look, all of this that you came to save, all of this is mine. I'm going to pause for a second. Do you all remember what Satan's native language is? What? Lying. Y'all know that, right? The devil lies. So if he tells me it's daytime, even though I might see the sun, I'm going to say, no, it can't be. It's, it's, it must be night because all he does is lie, right? We know he lies. And so he's lying in this passage to Jesus. Nothing was given to him, and he has no authority to give Jesus anything because Jesus is the king, right? But remember, Jesus is the son of God 
who is divine and human at the same time. So Jesus has, obviously, physical emotions. He has physical desires. All of these things that we do because the Bible tells us that he has experienced everything that you and I experience in this life. And he overcame it all, right? Amen? He overcame it all. And so Satan is telling him, I can tell you this, Jesus, if you will bow down and worship me, if you will just simply give me honor, just give me a little bit of honor, you and I both know that when you came into this world, you were born for one purpose, and that was to suffer and die for the sin of humanity so that you might be able to get this world to follow you. So if you will just honor me, Jesus, you can sidestep all of this struggle. How tempting that must have been, right? Because after all, God wants Jesus to be the king of the world. This is, this is not even up for question. We know God wants Jesus to be king of the world. It's in that moment that Jesus demonstrates to us that there's nothing in this life worth forfeiting eternal life for. Now this is, becomes an important point to us who are part of the church universal because if this world is going to continue to change, then it's definitely not far-fetched for you and I to think and to believe that it might become a lot more difficult for us to be Christians. And if that's the case, how would that look? I kind of alluded to it last week when I said, um, there's going to come a point when you're not going to be able to speak to people on behalf of Jesus Christ. Now remember, listen to this, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert, into the wilderness. That means God intentionally put Jesus in a place where he was going to be able to struggle with the decision of finding comfort in this life now or rejecting the comfort this life has to offer now and putting his hope and trust in the life to come where comfort is ultimately offered. That means Jesus was intentionally placed there by our God to see what he would do to demonstrate to all of humanity that this new exodus is real. You do not have to respond to any sinful nature. You can overcome temptation with the word of God. That means, and I'm not saying Jesus has a sinful nature, but it's connectable, right, where we're talking about us. But this is what God did in, on purpose, you and I need to understand that it's not going to be far-fetched for you and I to be put into a similar position. If you want to keep your job, there are certain things you can't tell those who are sinning. What's the church's mission? I'm going to go ahead and say this. With all the world that it's going, all, all that's going on in the world right now, it's amazing because I, I have a lot of friends. I'm friends with a lot of 
pastors and I, I, I saw one guy, he's talking about marriage right now. Do you all understand that if the world is really changing, the world hates the church and Jesus Christ, you and I are going to find ourselves in a position that we're going to have to reject comfort and security in our lives because it's not worth forfeiting our eternal life for. I mean, when I, when I said that about the marriage, now don't misunderstand, that's an important subject to talk about, but it puts me in the mind of one of our government officials who said, look, don't let this word distract you from climate change. Well, climate change doesn't matter if we all die, right? We're putting it in perspective. You and I have to understand that you and I are going to face temptation like Jesus did. Some of you might be doing it right now. Maybe you've become less boisterous about who Jesus Christ is. Maybe you've given an intentional wrong answer if somebody asked you your opinion about what sin is because you didn't want people to hate you or because you didn't want to lose your job or because you didn't want to lose the possibility of being promoted or because you just didn't want any trouble in your life. You all understand what I'm saying this morning. The fact that you are a child of God does not relieve you from difficulties. The fact that you are a child of God, you recognize that this life isn't the comfort, it's the one that's coming, that's the comfort. Let's look at the last thing I want you to see. Hopefully you're tracking with me. This is one of those messages, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna sit down and say, what did you say? Then I'm gonna get on Facebook and I'm gonna say, maybe I should watch that. Last thing I want you to see, you must not compromise your relationship with God because faithfulness is demonstrated during pain and suffering. I've even got a book that's titled Suffering, The Gift That Nobody Wants. Nobody wants that. I mean, you go back to what I said about the one who was talking about, oh, I gave my, uh, my wife a $200,000 car because you know God wants us to experience happiness in this world. He wants us to this and that and excellence, all these types of things. But yet, when you look at the book of Acts, which is the second part of Luke, what you're going to find is that the apostles counted it a privilege to suffer in the name of Jesus Christ. They saw it as a gift, a confirmation, if you will, that they are children of God. You see, what we've done is we've turned this upside down and we've said, just like what Satan's doing with Jesus, he's like, hey, Jesus, follow me. I'm going to take you up um, on top of the temple, basically where everything is going to culminate for you. These are the people who are going to turn on you, and they're going to want you to be crucified. But if you'll come up there, look, let's just test the word of God, Jesus. How about throwing yourself down? And remember what the Bible says. If you do this, he's going to gather you up. He's not going to let your heel hit a stone. He's going to protect you. When in fact, you all understand this morning that Jesus Christ is being led by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem and be nailed to the cross. 
You all understand that, right? This is not just something that accidentally happens. This is God intentionally taking his child, capital C. He's going to take his child to go to the cross and suffer for the sin of humanity. And what we hear from people on a regular basis is that God doesn't want you to suffer. Now, let's be reasonable for a moment and understand something. If he, had, if he had Jesus Christ, the Son of God, suffer, why in the world would you and I think that we're not supposed to? Because in this instance of this scripture, Jesus being hungry and at the point of his weakest from a human perspective is being tempted to sin against his God. And he rejects it because he knows Satan is twisting Scripture to fit what a human might want. You think that still happens today? You better believe it does. We Christians like to twist Scriptures that aren't meant for us and make them meant for us. Remember the Bible promises books that used to be out there? It was, it was as if, if you bought the Bible promise book, that as soon as you prayed this, then nothing bad can happen to you. Uh-uh. Because God made a promise. That promise was not made to you. The promise that was made is that just like Jesus, the student is not more important than the teacher. Just like Jesus, the church will suffer. So how important is it now for you to be practicing fasting, abstinence? Because if nothing else, at the very least, we are training to overcome temptation during a great trial in our lives. You might be somebody this morning that just simply thinks that, preacher, you're wrong. That's fine, right? That's fine. I, I, I am not somebody that knows everything. I, I told, I've told some of you, maybe I said it from up here, that used to, I would brag, say, well, I know, I know I'm right about eight out of ten times. Here lately, I think I'm down to four out of ten times. So there's a possibility I may be wrong. You need to read it for yourself, but I'm going to tell you something this morning that if you're going to be different from the Israelites who were taken out of Egypt that didn't make it to the promised land, then it's going to start with you overcoming your physical desires. You just can't compromise God's word. If God says it's wrong, you don't follow your instinct or your desires that are contrary to God because you do that enough, I'm going to go ahead and just say you're compromising your relationship with the Lord. You can't do that. And if this world is changing, I'm going to tell you something, that this is how we're going to start weeding people out. I know, I, again, I don't normally preach like this. I feel like I've been doing it for a while, but good grief, if it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, I'm going to just take a guess. Maybe it's a duck. We just went through a pandemic that was worldwide. We just went through a supply chain shortage, and we're still in it worldwide. And now, 
what are we seeing? If you're compromising your faith in your relationship with Jesus Christ, this is the moment to stop doing that. You need to stop. If you are compromising, you, maybe you're serving God with everything that you have, but you're committing, committing sexual sin. Stop. Stop it. Don't be fooled. Oh, you're a child of God. Nothing can come against you. No, you're being tested. God's allowing it. If you're doing wrong to the people that you do life with, you are lying and you are causing trouble for them, let me tell you, you better stop. If you're someone this morning who thinks that you're going to sidestep misery in life, don't fool yourself. I, it doesn't matter how much money you give to the church and it doesn't matter how many Sundays you've been here in a row, trouble will find you in your life. And let me tell you something, you got to be able to say, I don't want to take the easy road out, which is compromising my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to reject that comfort because I know that this life is not it. The life to come is what I'm staking everything on. Don't you go after the easy things in this life. They're lying to you. You stick with Jesus. Maybe, I'm just going to throw this in there, maybe you have a close friend who might even be a believer who is sinning and you don't want to offend them because you know they will be mad at you. Don't you fall for taking that comfortable road. You tell them the truth. Tell them the truth. Jesus didn't wait for us to discover the truth. He demonstrated it to us and told us about it. If you're someone this morning who is thinking that you shouldn't be, maybe you, because you know that you're a child of God, you should have excellence in your life, don't you fall for that. Don't you fall for that. You won't be prepared for when the great test comes your way. You'll be confused. Why did God let this happen to me? He probably, in all reality, puts you in it to refine you. He's a, you know, I learn a lot about myself and about my God when I go through pain and suffering in my life. I learn a lot. And I will tell you that when I go through those times, there are scriptures in this Bible that I don't understand at first reading, but after I go through something very difficult, <laughs> the insight is unbelievable when I start seeing it. Oh, I can relate to this. If you are compromising this morning, you're jeopardizing yourself. If we have Christians in this world this morning who would forego compromising their faith and their relationship with the Lord and understand what Jesus has demonstrated in this passage, I can't help but think that the church becomes a lot more powerful, especially in regard to our prayers. How much powerful do we become with our influence if we continue to say no to compromising? 
So right now, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, this is a moment. You can take it or leave it. But if you've been compromising, it's right here in this moment that you need to confess it to the Lord. He can hear you. But you know why? He can't make you do the right thing in your life. He can only allow you to be in the situations to see what you will do. Because ultimately, you have to make the choices. Do you choose this life now, doing whatever you want? Or do you choose the life to come, living in a way that you will finally be fulfilled? And if you choose the life to come, you tell him right now. Just say, Lord, I choose you every single time. And I'm not going to compromise and forgive me where I have. And you're going to start again. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord. Lord, you are... You, you are just a way. There is no other way. And Father, this morning we recognize this because, Lord, we're watching in this passage what your Son has done for us. We're watching how he even, at your leading, placed himself at the weakest point and still overcame the enemy because of his love for you and for us. I pray, Father, if there's anybody within the sound of my voice this morning struggling with anything that I've said, I pray, Father, that, Lord, I pray that you would speak to their hearts, Lord, because, Lord, there is a time coming, whether it be for all of us at the same time or as individuals, Lord, that we will have to make difficult choices, and those choices will mean that we reject what the world has to offer even though it might make us suffer, Lord, because we're going to follow you. I pray that each one of us will be found faithful when that day comes, Lord. I pray that you would be with us, and Lord, that we will too one day hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I pray that that is our goal. Pray that you keep us safe. Go with us now, Lord. Bring us back again Wednesday and Sunday, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. God's people said, amen.